Our scripture this morning is James chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. Uh, we have that, uh, we don't have that printed in the bulletin, we used to. Uh, we do have, oh, all the Bibles are gone too, this is excellent. This is good, it means everyone's using their Bibles, this is great. If, you, if you'd like, please follow along if you have your own Bible, or hopefully you have one on your phone as well. James chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. Let's hear God's word for us this morning. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also, though they are so large and are driven by strong winds. They are guided by a very small rudder, wherever the will the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a force is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature, can be tamed, and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father. And with it, we curse people who are made in the image, and excuse me, the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. This is God's word. Let's pray as we consider it together. Lord, woe is me, for I'm a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in a nation of unclean lips. And yet, Lord, you call us to, to hear from you this morning. We pray that it would be your words we hear. That, Lord, through the preaching of your word, Jesus would be exalted. And that you'd be glorified. For our good and for your glory, we ask all this in, in your name. Amen. Well, we are zipping along through James. We're already almost halfway through our series in this uh, little epistle, which I've described as the Proverbs of the New Testament. A lot of wisdom here, a lot of wisdom literature. And today, James is going to talk, talk to us about taming the tongue, uh, something he talked about already in chapter 1, verse 26, if you remember uh, this verse. Where James said, if anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. So now James kind of comes back to that and kind of uh, talks, expands more about that in these, in these verses here. Now it's not lost on me that God would use a preacher to tell you about the tongue. Uh, because that, that's me. And in fact, probably like many of you, I struggle with this issue of the tongue. My problem is I have competing desires. I want to be liked. I want to be loved even. I want you to like me. And so I'm quick with a, with a, with a, with a bit of humor. At least I think that's funny. Uh, or I, I oftentimes, will, uh, if I get defensive, I often use humor to deflect. Um, so I want to be liked. But then the other weird thing about me is I like to be right. And that causes me to be sometimes overly confrontational. Harsh, unforgiving. And so I have, I, in one sense, sometimes inappropriate or ill-timed humor. 
overly confrontational on the other part. And the sad thing is, by the end of that, uh, no one likes me, <laughs> and no one thinks I'm right when I, when I argue and, and talk in these ways. And perhaps you have some, sort of, some of those desires in your heart in terms of how you deal with the tongue. So this morning, we're going to look at the, the passage uh, that I've already read, read out for us. We're going to have three and a half points. The half point means to just, uh, just have a little bit to say about that one. The other three, hopefully a little bit fuller. So let's look at this here. Let's look at teachers in the tongue. Verses one and two, that'll be our first point. James writes, not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, notice that verb, he is a perfect man, also able to bridle his whole body. Uh, I'm sure many of you are like this. Perhaps some of you, some of you kids that are listening to me are like this. When the teacher asks a question in school and you know the answer, what are you supposed to do? Raise your hand. But, you know, if you're like me, you didn't just raise your hand like this. You raised your hand and you held it up high and you, you rest your arm on the desk and you just, you, you, what are you really trying to say? Teacher, listen to me. Listen to me. You know, I don't know if you, I, I, oh, oh, you know, I was just waiting. You know, someone got it wrong. Charlie said the wrong answer. I, I know, I know. Listen to me is what that student is saying. And sometimes I think that's what James is saying, is that teachers, when we become teachers, we want people to listen to us. We need to be careful to, to make sure uh, that not many, it says here, should become teachers. Why? Because we are judged with greater strictness. And that's a New Testament pattern. And we understand this well in our denomination. If any of you, uh, you can ask some of the elders, some of you perhaps... Uh, who are not elders have been, to, have been at a presbytery meeting of the PCA and you've seen an ordination or heard an ordination exam, they are difficult, very difficult. And in fact, when I, we used to, uh, Richard Pratt, one of my Old Testament professors at RTS Orlando, my seminary, he used to actually do these uh, mock ordination exams. And if, if you gave an answer that was wavering on not being very good, he, he would pretend like he had a trap door that he would be ready to, to pull, pull the lever for. So we understand this well in the PCA. We understand this well. But notice that there, it talks about how there's a perfect man. But notice he does not stumble in what he says. Now he describes this perfect man. I don't know if there's anyone that exists other than Jesus that, that could really claim that. But he says the perfect man is the one who is able, uh, who does not stumble what he says. He does not stumble what he says. He's able to bridle his whole body by the fact he can control his speech. I had to look up the word bridle. I wasn't actually sure what it meant. I knew it meant control, probably those kinds of things. But bridle is also the, the, the structure that you put around the horse to, to control it. And the bit, then uh, the, uh, the, uh, the uh, mouth takes the bit, and then you're able to control a horse. So to bridle something, to bridle her whole body means to control it. Let's talk about teaching in church for just a minute. After I have a little bit of water here. To be a teacher in the church, whether it's a small group or a Sunday school class or here in the pulpit, it gives you the power to, to, to unleash God's word. Sometimes that word heals. Sometimes it stings. Sometimes it does both. We talked about last week. Sometimes it's a red pill addressing this issue over here. And sometimes it's a blue pill addressing this issue, this issue over here. 
But it's hard to be a teacher in the church. I have to, I have to admit, it's not the easiest thing in the world. Um, I've, I've heard a couple different commentators describe, uh, describe sometimes after, after, after a worship, having lunch and, and, dis, and, uh, and having roast pastor for the main course. Meaning that you, you kind of rehash the, the sermon and particularly you, you find the faults in the message or you find the faults in the logic. And again, in seminary, I was the worst. The worst! I was overflowing with roast pastor. Uh, because, of course, I would do it so much better. And, of course, now God says, well, now, now we're going to put you in the pulpit for 20 years. Let's see how, we, how, how you do. But do you remember Jesus' words to the teachers in the law in Matthew chapter 12? I think it's where James is going with this. He says, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. This is beginning of verse 33. For the tree is known by its fruit. He's talking, of course, here to the teachers of the law. You brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. If that doesn't make you shrink... If that doesn't make you, if that doesn't give you pause, I mean, how often do we speak careless words in arguments with the people that we love the most, our family? Or how about when the person cuts you off in traffic? You probably use language that you would never use otherwise. We should, we should be careful who we let in the pulpits. We should be careful who we let teach because not just for their hearers, but for them. Uh, words mean much. So that's teachers in the tongue. He kind of introduces it in verses one and two. Here comes my half point, verses three through the verse, beginning of verse five, the outsized impact of the tongue. We have the teachers in the tongue, then we have the outsized impact of the tongue. Verse three, if we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also, though they are large, so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. So he uses these metaphors of horses and ships, two things I know nothing of. <laughs> uh, but the idea is that there are these large, uh, powerful things that are controlled by a really small thing, right? A bit and then a rudder. One of the commentators put it this way, that our tongue is roughly half a percentage point of our body weight. That's how much your tongue weighs. I guess I have a pretty heavy tongue then. Uh, yet, it's so small, yet it controls us so often. How often, how often times we find ourselves saying something, we, we, we blurt something out, and you, you want to get it back, come back, but the words are gone. And how often does that happen online? How often times do we, do we say things, or read things that other people say that, they're now a matter of record, never to be brought back again. The tongue, in a sense, has a Napoleonic complex. It tries to boast of great things. And it can because, well, that's what it does. It's a boaster. So that's your half, that's your half point, the outsized impact of the tongue. Now let's look at the next point, the incendiary power of the tongue. So we're moving from the size to its power. Incendiary power of the tongue. Second half of verse 5. 
How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. So here he, he shifts the metaphors. He was using the boat and the, and the horse, and now he talks about fire predominantly, and also animals at the very end. I was watching the news recently, and, and, uh, and they were talking about how this, it's been now six months since the, the fires destroyed uh, Lahaina on the island of Maui. And they showed pictures of just how it's amazing people, anybody got out, but just how fire was surrounding uh, everyone. And of course, we, we remember as New Mexicans, the Calf Canyon Hermit's Peak Fire, which actually it was two fires that came into one. That's what James has in mind. He has in mind this idea of a raging forest fire. And it says it stains the whole body, meaning that there's not any part of us that is not touched by it. He goes on to say it sets the, on fire the entire course of our lives. So think about that. It's our past, present, and future. It's our workplace. And it, sets, and it also in, impacts our home. There's nothing that the tongue does not touch our speech does not impact. In fact, it's set on fire by hell itself, meaning the devil enjoys to work with our words. Proverbs 16, verses 27, 28 talk about this. The writer of Proverbs says, a worthless man plots evil and his speech is like a scorching fire. And 28 says, a dishonest man spreads strife and a whisperer separates close friends. The idea of fire is present there. And he ends by saying, this is a restless evil, full of poison. Do you get the idea that James is not very high on the, on the, uh, on the idea of the tongue? That it is really in need of much sanctification. And it's just like the devil to use a small thing to cause big problems. Right? Think about how the devil introduced himself to humanity in, in Genesis chapter 3. Did Satan come to the garden with great power? Did he have a, a great demonstration of his, of his might? What did he come with? He came with words. Did God actually say you couldn't eat of this tree or that tree? Did God, act, in fact, he went on to say, if you eat of the fruit, you will be like God, knowing good and evil. He comes with words. And 1 Peter 5 and, and, and the beginning of Job chapter 1 describes Satan as restless looking for someone to devour. And we do his bidding when we don't bridle our tongues. We do his bidding. Before moving on from this, I also want to say that there is great value in sitting under the, pre under the preaching of someone who preaches from God's word. Now, I do not say that to compliment myself, but I try very hard to do that. Um, and I hope that you are experiencing that because it's important to come on Sunday mornings and hear what God has to say. Because so often during the week, we're listening to what the world has to say, right? There, there's a, there's a, the Super Bowl commercials. We talked about how, how expensive the ads are every year. That's because the, the world knows the value of words. They know the value of your attention that most of us will be having a game on today. And so they'll be trying to sell everything we, they, that, 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 that they can using words. 
And of course, the devil has words for us as well, oftentimes distorting what God says. And even ourselves, do you realize that we talk to ourselves? And I realize some of you say, well, yeah, I know I talk to myself all the time. I'm not talking about, you know, muttering to yourself. But oftentimes we talk to ourselves. If you read the, if you read the Psalms, the psalmist is always talking to himself. It's important that we, we use words that build. And so there's value in hearing what God says. So make sure you're keeping me honest. If it's not from God's word that, that, that you're hearing the sermon, you need to call me on it. If we ever bring someone in the pulpit who's not doing that, we need to, you need to let us know. But if nothing else, our church needs to be known for that. Uh, that the word of God is preached. And there's great value in sitting under, God's, uh, under the preaching of God's word. Not just for you, but for me. I, I have to find sources. And I'm often blessed by, a lot of times by listening to the, some of the sermons that I hear on some of these passages as well. So that's the incendiary power of the, tem- of the tongue. It's fiery, as James would say. And finally, there's the revealing nature of the tongue, verses 9 through 12. The revealing nature of the tongue. He says, with it, we bless our Lord and Father, that is our tongue. And with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond produce or can a salt pond yield fresh water. So he starts in verses 9 and 10 by noting the inconsistency. How can the same mouth bless God and yet curse those made in his image? Can't help but think of, 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 uh, of, the, of the expression when, when you hear someone cursing, you think, I hope you don't use that mouth to kiss your mom, right? Um, there's inconsistency. We're the same people who, are, who we, just, we were just done singing. We're about to sing in just a moment. And yet, how often do we, when it says curse people, it doesn't actually mean that we are, or we're condemning them, but we are wishing them ill. To curse someone means you, you wish them ill. Really, it also means really to wish them death. And from the same mouth come blessing and cursing. We, we, we bless God. We, 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 we wish him to be exalted. And yet we curse those who are made in his own image. And he moves on to verses 11 and 12. And basically he says, your heart is what feeds your speech. Right? That's what this, these, these uh, metaphors about a spring pouring forth water and a fig tree uh, bearing different things. In fact, I'm sure James actually took a little bit of this from his, his half-brother Jesus. From Luke chapter 6. Beginning in verse 43. Similar words we already read, but a little bit different. Jesus said, For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Again, you see the connection between the heart and the tongue. Our words reveal what's going on in our hearts. Right? I already talked about my, the, the, oftentimes the competing things are happening in my heart. What is, what's happening in your heart? When you, can, when, you, when you think about your tongue, when you think about the things you said, 
uh, this past week, this past month, this past year, when you think, think about the careless words you wish you could get back, when you think about things you wish you hadn't said. And you know, by the way, it also works the other way around. That also sometimes the things we wish we would have said, right? I, I realize I put the Lincoln quote at the, at the beginning of the, of the service. Uh, it's just, it, you know, the idea about, uh, about being a fool, keeping your mouth closed. Um, sometimes we need to speak up. That's also part of being, our understanding our tongue as well. So I have a couple of, of, of things to close with. There's, this, uh, there's something called the sonship tongue assignment I want to give you this week. Sonship is a, is a, a discipleship course uh, through, through a missions agency. And actually, I found several different versions of this, of, this, uh, of this assignment. And so I want to give these to you. So there are five things I want you to do this week or not do in, in regards to your speech. Okay. Number one, don't gossip or repeat negative information about anyone. Instead, speak well of others. Okay, so no gossiping. No passing on information that, that is ill of others. Number two, don't complain or grumble. Instead, give thanks in all circumstances. Okay? I can already hear you guys. They're bailing. You're like, this is going to be hard. Yep. Number three, don't blame shift or make excuses at all about anything. Instead, own your mistakes and confess your sins, both to God and to other people as appropriate. Number four, don't defend yourself. Oh, man. Don't defend yourself or make excuses, no matter what. Instead, and this is me preaching to myself, receive criticism with grace. See, that means I can't be right. I don't like that. And the fifth and final one is don't be critical of others. Similar number one, but different. Don't be critical of others. Instead, look for ways to affirm others. Okay, so let me quickly go over that. Don't gossip or repeat negative information. Don't complain or grumble. Don't blame shift or make excuses. Don't defend yourself or make excuses about, your, about yourself no matter what. And don't be critical of others. Instead, look for ways to affirm each other. Now, how are we going to do that? The gospel is not about trying harder to do these things. The reason why I give you, I want you to have the assignment because I want you to realize where you are with your tongue. I'm going to do this myself. and <laughs> We'll see how long I get before I, I, I have a blemish on my report card. But the, the thing I want you to see is, I want you to see that we need Jesus. To tame the tongue, we need to have a heart transplant. Right? The, to tame our tongue, to learn how to bridle our tongue, we need the work of the Holy Spirit to cleanse us. So the good news of the gospel is just as the devil tempted our ancestors and brought sin into the world with words, so God sent his son Jesus to save sinners. Jesus, who's described in John's gospel as what? The word. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and then without him was not anything made that was, that was, that was made. In him was life, and the life uh, was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory is of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. You see, God knows the power of speech. 
He spoke the world into existence, right? In six days. Could have done it probably in, in, in like that, but he took six days. Seventh, he rested. He knows the power of speech. And so when he sent Jesus, he sent his, he sent his word, his final word. Right? That's what the writer of Hebrews says in chapter one about God's son. Saying long ago at many times in many ways, God spoke to us, spoke to us, by our fathers, the, the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe of the, by, the word, by the word of his power. Dear friends, your tongue is powerful. It has the, it has the power to bless, the power to curse. But our God has sent his word, his living word, to dwell in us. So imbibe his word. Open your Bibles this week. Pray. Seek the Spirit's help. Take this test, this assignment. Don't be, don't be saddened when you don't, get, when you don't do very well on it. Because that just shows us that God is still working in us and doing great things. So if you want to tame the tongue, seek the God who sent his only son, the final word, into our lives. Let's pray as we come to the Lord's table. God, I can think of so many things, so many powerful phrases. Uh, many of us have taken vows, uh, baptismal vows, membership vows, ordination vows, marital vows. Lord, so many of us have had the chance to say Words that bring delight and joy, like I'm pregnant, or I have a new job, I got into the school I wanted. Lord, there's so many, so many uh, ways in which we can also hurt each other with our words. Lord, help us to be intentional, to use our words to bless and not to curse. And Lord, most of all, continue to do a work in our hearts, Lord Jesus. We're thankful that you've justified us. Continue to sanctify us by your spirit. And Lord, teach us the power of our tongues. And Lord, may we be those that affirm others. And by doing so, building your kingdom. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.